It's a time of great victory. Your past does not have to dictate your future. We are on the solid rock, Christ Jesus. God's got something better for you. Last week we started just this little mini-series of weathering the storm. Just a small little topic to talk about. and Weathering the storms of life. And last week we talked about storm warning and uh, learning how we can be alert to things coming into our life, but not to be worried about it, right? So, um, you, you know, I heard years ago I heard a saying, it said that all things in our lives can either strengthen us or weaken us. We're weakened when they control our thoughts, our goals, and our time. Now think about that. All things in our life can either strengthen or weaken us. We're weakened when they control our thoughts, our goals, and our time, but uh, we're strengthened when they become tools available to us to help us to achieve another value or priority that God wants us to, to, uh, uh, to receive and that God expects from us. He expects us not to be the same. He expects us to change and to become more and more like Him. So, you know, we're going to face storms. Challenges are going to come into your way, and it can either strengthen you or weaken you. Amen? Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we come to you today to present ourselves to you and to uh, receive from your word. Holy Spirit, just move today. Touch each person individually, Father, and then collectively minister to us as well. Uh, Strengthen us and encourage us from your word today as a body, but speak to each one of them. Father, I'm not able to do that, but you can take your word and you can make it specific for each person and each need that's here And, Father, we thank you to do that right now in Jesus' name. Amen. We looked at a text last week in Matthew's Gospel, chapter 8, verse 24, which tells the story about the disciples when they got in the boat and to go across the the lake, and Jesus was with them. They were experienced fishermen. They were not... They were very used to being on the, the water every day, every night. They were used to being there. They had seen storms. I mean, these weren't young guys. These were... Um, you know, probably guys in their 30s. And so they had, they grew up in this area. They had experienced probably every storm that had ever come uh, through that region. And so uh, they were not novelists. They were experienced. But yet something happened in, on that day that frightened them. And these are professionals. Now, you know, one thing I've learned that, you know, I, re- I remember times when I was a kid, uh, I remember sometimes traveling, and, and I specifically remember one time there was this horrible hailstorm. We're driving through this hailstorm, and, and I couldn't even see. It was bad. You know, I couldn't see the, through the windshield, and it was just loud. You know what I'm talking about? You ever driven through a hailstorm? And um, my dad was driving, so I'm looking. I'm getting scared, and I remember looking over him, and I thought, and he didn't seem to be nervous at all. So I thought, well, I guess if he's not scared, I don't need to be. But I want to tell you something. If he would have been nervous, I would have really been scared. <laughs> and so, you know, that, that's one thing. If you really want to see how intense it is, look at a professional. Now, if they start to get concerned, that's when you might ought to get concerned. Uh, the disciples were in the boat. And in Matthew chapter 8, verse 24, here's what it says. It says, without warning. Everybody say, without warning. Isn't that usually when the... The trial hits, the tribulation hits, the storm hits without warning. A furious storm came up on the lake so that the waves swept over the boat, but Jesus was sleeping. Now, Jesus wasn't worried. Now, they should have seen Jesus and said, if he's not worried, I ain't worried. If he's not afraid, I'm not afraid, right? 
Why? Because really as believers, what are we supposed to do? Looking unto Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, the author and finisher of our faith, the one who authors or designs our faith, makes it specific for the situation we're in, and he finishes it or completes it and makes sure that there's everything there that's necessary in the faith that he releases to us for that given circumstance. You ever get, you get that? So we're to look unto Jesus, look to him. Let's do a little uh, glossary of terms, shall we? Let's have a little Bible study this morning. Would that be okay if we have a little Bible study? Let's look at some words. For instance, storms. Now, let's try to draw some parallels and some applications for our life, although we've come and we're, we're dealing with, uh, physically dealing with a storm that we just, they just came through our region. But storms are symbolic of disturbance. Um, a lot of times in the Bible, they speak of change. Think about it. Uh, how many of you are say, my life has changed since this storm came through? Or certain things, you know, you might have had an agenda, you might have had a schedule, you might have had things lined out. We've changed our women's retreat. So now we were going this way in our boat, which is symbolic of a vehicle of our way of life. We're in our boat, right? You know, for dreams and different things, vehicles speak of different things and and achievements, you know, from a car to a bus to an airplane. It's a vehicle for ministry or your life. And depending upon that in the setting, will help you to interpret those things. So a boat, you know, helps you to overcome, what, the water, adversity, trouble, tribulations. And so we're in our boat, in our life. And all of a sudden, without warning, a furious storm comes up. And that's kind of the way it was. We were going in, our, in life, going down our highway to heaven. <laughs> and some of y'all know that other song. But anyway... Um, we're just going down our our, route, and here comes a storm, and things have changed. I mean, we have sorted out things that we would have never thrown away. You know, I mean, there's pictures, things that you wouldn't wouldn't like to get rid of. I mean, we have all the baby pictures of the kids, and Sandy, her baby pictures and stuff, and mine, you know. I don't think I had any. That's the problem. I didn't have any. But they're gone. They're, they're gone. So there's things that you wouldn't want to, to get rid of, but they're gone. And so, you know, it helps you to, to lighten the load in a sense, you know. There in Acts 27, it talks about that uh, they were, Paul and Luke were on, on the boat, and a horrible a hurricane came up, and it said that they put straps around. They begin to throw off all the cargo, threw everything out, and that, so they were lightening the load. Well, you know, a storm speaks of change, and it helps you lighten the load, so to speak, right? And so... We're experiencing change. Well, symbolically, a storm, a trial, a, tr a disturbance in the spiritual realm, when it comes to you, is going to affect change. Now, what if God wants change to happen in your life? Will he then just because we're whining stop it and not allow it to happen? You know, if we, if we trust him, then we'll know that he, all things can work together for good. For those that love God and are called according to his purpose, or that all things in our life will either strengthen or weaken us. You know, if we trust him, this thing can strengthen us. And so change is coming, storms coming. And uh, so storms are symbolic of, of change. It's also symbolic of spiritual warfare. It's um, symbolic of sudden calamity or destruction. Some of us have experienced that. A storm is symbolic of turbulent times, of trial. It can also be a, a symbol of judgment. 
just depending on how it's used. So keep that in mind as we look at the, the Another thing, that, another word we need to be aware of is drowned. Because remember the disciples wrote, Lord, don't you care if we drowned? So what does it mean? What is that symbolic of, drowning? It's symbolic of, of an attack uh, from people or from the devil. Basically is what, is what it is. Um, Psalm 124, I jotted this down, 124th Psalm, verses 2 through 5. It says, if, if the Lord had not been on our side, when men attacked us, when their anger flared against us, they would have swallowed us alive. The flood would have engulfed us. The torrent would have swept us o- uh, over us. The raging waters would have swept us away if the Lord had not been on our side. So, you know, drowned, you know, if the Lord had not been on my side, we'd have drowned. So, um, so that's it, it's symbol of overwhelmed by the turmoil. So the storm is turmoil, and to be drowned is to be overcome by turmoil. You know, in baptism, we see a, a picture, a very beautiful picture of, you know, us dying and being buried with Christ and then raising up in a newness of life. It's also symbolic of going down into the, tur- the turmoil or the things of life that overwhelm us, but we're not drowned. We rise up in the newness of life. It only makes us stronger, gives us a new life. And so we are victors, amen? So to be drowned is to be overwhelmed or overcome by turmoil, defeated in a sense. Wind, there's another, there's another term that we see in this story, wind. It's symbolic of change. You've ever heard that, that uh, little saying, the winds of change are blowing, right? <laughs> when they're at 135 mile an hour, boy, yeah, things change, that's for sure. You know, trees blow over. But, but winds of change, symbolic of change. Um, so the negative aspect of winds would be adversity that blows against us. But also there's a positive aspect because wind can also uh, symbolize the Holy Spirit. And so, um, you know, we can allow him to, to breathe upon us, to blow upon us. But um, so it talks really about change. Again, storms come, it's going to produce change. The winds are going to bring out change. I believe God is wanting a change. We've been talking about that for a couple of years, change. We see this nation the way that it is, there needs to be change. We've been quoting that scripture that God said, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray, seek my face, turn from their different if we'll change, so then he'll heal our land. You know, then things will change. He'll, he'll allow change to come. And so we've been praying that. We saw it the first of the week before, I think it was on the 21st. And somebody said something back because I gave that scripture there, of Matthew 21, 25, and 26 or something like that. And uh, those specific dates also is the 21st was the solar eclipse. The 25th was, the, was Hurricane Harvey and something else was a flood or something like that. Who sent that back to me? The, oh, okay, so was that right? Or I missed the last one, I think. But look it up and, and um, holler it out here. When you, but wind, wind speaks of change, adversity. So God is wanting change upon our nation. We need to be a light we need to be a light that shines. We need to be one that helps. What is it? Which one was it? Luke 21, 25 through 26. Do you have it? You have it reading? There will be signs in the sun, moon, and stars. On the earth, nations will be in anguish. 
So Luke 21, 25, and 26, 24, 26, 24, and 26. The other night I was just awakened. I just woke up around, right around midnight. I kind of felt I needed to pray. It was something that's kind of some turbulence, something stirring, whatever. And I'm like, okay, Lord, are you trying to tell me something, you know? What's going on? And uh, so I began to pray, and I thought, well, something. I wonder what's going on in the world. And uh, I don't know why I pulled up and just put across the earthquakes, because I've been thinking about this scripture and stuff like that, you know, that there's, I've been thinking that there's going to be some earthquakes happen. You heard me around the 21st of, the, of August talk about that and pointed out some earthquake spots. And so I looked it up. Right at that moment, uh, 8.1 uh, Earthquake was was hitting off of the coast of Mexico at that exact time. I go, whoa! And I just begin to look at God's word, and that that verse there in Luke 21, 24 through 26 came to mind. I put it down. I just put something on Facebook about it that God's moving, things are changing. I believe His coming is soon, but He wants to come. He doesn't want anybody to be left out. That's why. Jesus, no one knows the hour of the day except the Father is what Jesus said because the Father has so much grace. He's wanting everyone to be rescued, to be saved throughout this time. And so he's given plenty of opportunity. So wind. Wind speaks of change. Um, it, it speaks of adversity. And then waves. What's symbolic of waves? Because we see this in this story as well. Waves speak of turmoil. It speaks of a, a state of great disturbance or confusion or uncertainty. Waves speak of uncertainty, confusion, turmoil. God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of love and power and of sound mind. He's also not the author of confusion. And so we shouldn't be overwhelmed by certain things like that. So these are just some, some terms that you need to be familiar. Think about those things, the symbolic meanings of these particular words as we look at this, at this passage of Scripture. Now also, when we think about waves, it can also be false doctrine that comes. There can also be waves of the Holy Spirit moving, but you know, there shouldn't be any confusion about that because I want to tell you something. I like to sit and listen to the waves roll in. And I grew up on Lake Texoma. At uh, the time I was young, we'd go there and I'd ski and various things like that. And I used to just like to get away and sit down there and just listen to the waves roll. And so there's a soothingness to that. And there's a, something about it that the waves bring in various things. And so there's moves of God. People that surf, they like to catch a wave, you know, and helps them to move. But then there's also certain uh, waves of, of turmoil and uncertainty, uh, like, and also false doctrine and various things. In Ephesians chapter 4, verse 14 through 16, uses this application. In fact, Paul says in, in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 14, then we will be no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of men in their deceitful scheming. I want to tell you what's happening in the spiritual climate of the day in which we're living. There are crazy doctrines out there. You see, when Satan comes, he will control the political field He's also got to control the economic world, and he has to control the spiritual world. If you want to rule the world, if we have any world uh, people in here and, you know, achieving to rule the world, here's the three things that you need to do. If you want to rule the world, you've got to do two, th three things. You've got to control the money. You know, the golden rule, whoever has the gold rules, so the golden rule, you've got to control the money, you've got to control religion, and you've got to control politics. That's all. That's, that's how simple it is. Very simple. That's what Satan will do when he comes in. He, the Bible tells that he'll come in. The Antichrist will come. He'll be accepted. He'll be a world leader. The economic 
heads of that particular time, which I see in the ten horns, which we won't get into prophecy this morning, but we'll rally around him. And then also there'll be a false, the false prophet will be at his side, which will bring about a one world religion. We've seen the rumblings of these things throughout the years of where it's kind of a, a, a smorgasbord, I guess. Did they say that in Texas or would you say buffet? <laughs> buffet. I'm going to go to the buffet. <laughs> I don't know where you can go to the smorgasbord. <laughs> Where did we get that word? I wonder what the base, but anyway, and you can just pick out what you want. And so that's okay because, you know, Oprah said, it, it, it's not a believing issue. It's, you don't have to believe anything. It's just, you know, it's a feeling issue. You know, what really makes you feel better about it? Boy, that'll get, your feelings will get you in trouble, amen? It is what we believe. And so we have to be careful because these waves of doctrine come blown here and there by the cunning and craftiness of men and deceitful scheming. Instead, he says there in Ephesians 4.15, instead, the truth, uh, speaking the truth in love, we will in all things grow up into him who is the head that is Christ. From him the whole body joined and held together by every supporting ligament grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. So it can either weaken you or it can, we can rally around and say, wait a minute, I want the, I'm hungry for the truth of God's word and then become a body of believers. And you know what? We can grow up. One thing that I've seen that's produced out of this storm, it might have produced some uh, ill feeling somewhere, but I've seen some maturity. I've seen some people step up. And as it says there in verse 16, from him the whole body joined together uh, by every supporting ligament grows and builds itself up in love as each person does their work. Everybody's rallied around to do their part and work here and help one another and strengthens everyone. Amen. That's good. So we've got to be careful. So those words are certain things let's keep in mind as we think about this story again because Jesus said, or it, was, it says there in Matthew chapter 8, verse 24, without warning, a furious storm came up upon the lake. Uh, disturbance, change is coming. Furious change. It could be spiritual warfare or whatever. It's coming. And so uh, a furious storm came up on the lake so that the waves, <laughs> okay, so that the waves that were there, the turmoil, the disturbance, the state of co the confusion, the uncertainty was there. It says so that the waves, what, um, swept over the boat. It's going to touch you. When I stepped out of my bed and I felt, ooh. Something's cold down there. <laughs> Stepped into some water, you know. That wasn't quite what I think that old gospel song was talking about, where it says, step into the water. I think it was talking about the priest stepping into the water, not, not in your bedroom, getting out of your bed. So these waves, this change, this disturbance, this turmoil is going to touch you. How many of you have been touched in one way or another by this storm that we've had? Sure. It's going to get into your boat. It's going to get into your life, into your vehicle of life, your way of life, what you're doing. It's been affected one way or the other. If not, if you hadn't been affected any other way, just go to the gas pump. <laughs> okay? <laughs> I mean, all companies look for any excuse to raise gas, right? <laughs> so change. And uh, so it said it swept in over the boat, but Jesus was asleep. He was sleeping. Didn't bother him. Not at all. Verse 25, the disciples went and woke him saying, Lord, save us. <laughs> Here's these guys that are experienced fishermen and, and boatsmen, and, and they said, Lord, save us. We're going to drown. Oh, what does that word mean? 
be overwhelmed by the turmoil. We're, gonna, we're not going to make it. We're not going to get victory through this. We don't see any hope. There's no hope for us. That's what they were saying. Lord, save us. There's no hope. The, boat, the, the water's in the boat. Why do we always see the water in the boat and not Jesus in the boat? That's what I want to know. <laughs> I mean, they saw him there, but they don't you even care that we're going to be overwhelmed? We have no hope. Now, think about that just for a second because what they were saying with their mouth, there's power of life and death in the tongue. And they came to Jesus who was not worried about this at all because he knew the Father would take care of him, right? And so he says, they say, don't you, aren't you concerned that we're going to be overwhelmed by this turmoil and all the, the calamity that's coming upon us? We have no hope. We're going to drown. And he replied, what? You have little faith. It's like, I mean, can you imagine? Poor Jesus. I mean, what a job he had and has now, too. They had been with him. They'd seen the miracles. That, that day, they'd seen numerous miracles, and they should have had faith. Their hope should have been in him. I mean, just, just read the... You know, earlier there, you know, in, in that chapter, just chapter 8, look, look back on that chapter, not to mention just before, but they should have had faith. They should have had hope. They should have had hope. But they said, oh, my goodness, we're going to drown. We're going to be overwhelmed. We're not going to make it. It's all over. It's, this, is, this is it. Don't you even, you don't even care. And he says, you have little faith. Why are you so afraid? Why are you so afraid? And I submit to you, that's what angered Jesus. Is it Jesus got angry? Absolutely. That wasn't the first time. He got angry over there in the temple too when he walked in and you know, said, my father's house should be a house of prayer. He sat down. He controlled that anger, made a whip, and then he went through and drove out the money changers and stuff like that. I think he was upset. Rather than taking his frustration out upon those disciples who were there with him that had no, they couldn't even see that their hope was in the boat. That he was in the boat. He was their hope. You know, he was the one that was, he was, they weren't drowned and they weren't going to drown. That just, I think that just so frustrated him that he turned around and he rebuked then the, the winds of change that was coming in a sense and the, the turmoil, the waves. Hmm. So it says, then he got up. And rebuked the wind. It was after the disciple situation that he spoke to the winds and the waves, and, and it was completely calm. And the men were amazed and asked, What kind of man is this? Even the winds and the waves obey him. And you know, he was trying to teach them how that they need to be strong in him, and their expectation, their hope needed to be in him, and that they should trust him and have faith in, in God. Remember last week we started off with that statement, our desperation is God's opportunity. Our desperation is God's opportunity. So what they could have seen is that the, the desperation that they were in with the turmoil coming into their, touching their lives at that particular time and coming into their boat, wait a minute, this is an opportunity for God. And they could have, they could have experienced so much more without frustrating Jesus. They could have made it through the storm and had a tremendous testimony. You know, they say the test, turn the test into a testimony, turn your mess into a message, Yeah. They could have done that. And we see out of this that, you know, the, that before God even spoke to the circumstance, he wants to uh, begin with us. 
And uh, he wants to deal with us before he deals with our circumstance. And so we ought to, that's why we ought to always submit ourselves to God. Resist the devil and he'll flee from you. Submit yourselves to God first. You know, draw not near to him, he'll draw near to us. All these things that we read in the word and we should memorize and find out that this is what our character should be. This is our this is who we ought to be. Remember, we're strengthened when these things become tools available to us to help us to develop another character or value or priority in our life that God expects from us. He expects us to draw near to him. He, he expects us to submit to him and to resist the devil so that the devil flees from us. We're not called here just to go around fighting devils, you know, chasing them all around all the time. We're called on a mission. But if the devil gets in the way, then we submit to God. Resist the devil, and he'll flee from you. Mm, that should have gotten more amens than that. <laughs> Jesus was, and why was he frustrated at the disciples? They were afraid, and they had no hope. They were afraid and had no hope. Let me ask you a question. You know, we go to church, we sing songs and various things about him, and, you know, our hope is in you, Lord, and all these things, and we, talk, oh, we sing the songs. We sang them this morning, and then when the storm comes, we're, oh, God, don't you care that I'm going to perish? And we worry, and we fear, and we fret, right? Why? So soon. How come we're just so quickly so discouraged and fearful when he's in our boat? The Lord spoke to me that night as I, whenever I put my foot in the, in the water, and I go, oh, wait a minute. I just really wasn't expecting it to happen. I mean, we've lived in that house 23 years, and it's never got past our ditch. But I didn't know about chocolate bio. <laughs> I should, should have talked to Darwin a little bit more about chocolate bio, but I didn't know it was up that by my house. I mean, I, mean, I didn't know that it worked together with the drainage system around there, you know, and it would back up, you know, because y'all had six feet of water. We just had like... 10 or 12 inches or something like that. But I'm going to tell you, water in the boat still will mess up your day. You know, it'll it bring change to you. And so I said, Lord, wow. And uh, I, I wrote it down. These storms will be spiritual storms as well, and they will touch you, your family, and this church. Okay. So let's see what happens then. I wasn't really, we weren't really nervous or upset about it. We weren't afraid. I just, and I just expected it to keep going down or something. Like I said, I wasn't worried about it. And I saw that boat go outside my house. I go, okay, well, maybe we ought to maybe we'll at least leave, although we couldn't because we couldn't get the cars out of the driveway, and they were already flooded. And so I was like, well, I guess you know, I can get that tractor. Maybe we might ought to just think about going ahead and getting out of here before it gets any higher. And uh, Tim said, well, I'll stay upstairs, keep an eye on things. I said, okay, all right, bud, that's good. Yeah, I'd I do it, but I need to take care of mama. <laughs> no, no, no. But so, we, you know, we left. But the psalmist says in the, in the 46th Psalm, and we looked at this some last week, but listen, this is where we need to be. This ought to be our heart. In Psalm 46, in fact, turn to it, mark it, put a little, if you have an electronic Bible or whatever, put a little tab there or something by it. And this is what David said. God is our refuge and strength. God is our refuge and strength and ever-present help in trouble. So I just begin to say, well, praise God. I'm going to get a new paint job in this house. Won't get... Hey, look at this. I don't even have to mop these floors. <laughs> what is that floating by? <laughs> you know... 
was it? Did, I think Tim, Tim came downstairs. I think it was, did you come down and say, there's fish in our house? Was that what? <laughs> a little minnow, a little minnow swimming by. Went, okay, well, <laughs> crawdads and different things like that. But God is our refuge and strength and ever-present help in trouble. Ever-present. Talk about first responder. Talk about your first responders. Yeah, he was there. He's always there. And verse 2, then David says, therefore. What? What? Therefore. We've got to look and see what is there for. The, other, the verse prior, God is our refuge and strength and ever-present help in trouble. Therefore, because he is my help and my refuge, my strength, my present help in trouble, we will not fear. So when Jesus saw the disciples and he says, why are you so afraid? When he saw them fearful and with no hope, then that just said, then what, there's, what they were saying is, you're not my refuge and you're not my strength and you're not my ever-present help. I need some help. And he said, what? What? Don't you know that I am your refuge and your strength? I'm an ever-present help in your trouble. And they're saying, no, don't you care if we drowned? There you go. I mean, wow, talk about a slap in the face to Jesus who was right there. I mean, he is your help because they were afraid. And that fear at that time was just like saying, no, you're not. I don't know who you are. And, you know, do something. Just didn't trust him. So because he's a refuge and strength and ever-present help in trouble, therefore we will not fear. And I like though. Here it comes. Though the earth give way and the mountains fall. You know, though the earthquake hits. and You know, he is my refuge and my strength. He's an ever-present help in my trouble. Though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea. Though the water roar and foam and mountains quake with their surging. And he says, Selah, think about it and praise him. Think about it. He is my ever-present help. He's my shelter. He's my, my, my refuge. He's my strength. He's my God. That's who I trust. In him I live and move and have my being. I will not fear what comes against me. That's how we live. That's the boat we need to be in. And it doesn't matter if the waves come into that boat. That boat's going to sustain us because it's Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Amen. Hallelujah. And, and he goes on to talk about, after he says, think about this, then he kind of thinks about heaven a little bit. And he talks about that there's a river there whose streams make gold, glad, make glad the city. And he's thinking about how, you know, that's where I'm going. That's what my hope is. I'm not worried about this. You know, I've got a place in heaven. I, I'm seated in the heavenlies, you know, with, with Christ Jesus. He's going to watch over me. And, and he goes on, you know, through here. He says, nations are in uproar. Kingdoms fall. He lifts his voice and the earth melts. You know, and that's what's happening around us as things are in Chaos. Verse 7. The Lord Almighty is with us. Although everything else like that's happening, in the midst of that happening, the Lord Almighty is with us. That's what the disciples should have said. They should have went right up by Jesus and snuggled up and said, ah, man, all this stuff happened around here. Worst storm we've ever seen in our life. It had to be, right? Man. The Lord Almighty is with us. The, I don't know what everybody else is doing out there. I hope nobody else is out there in a boat because the Lord Almighty is in our boat. Yeah. 
I don't know what everybody else is doing for, for strength and for a refuge, but Lord Almighty's in our boat, right? That's what they should have said. He would have said, yes, that's right. Then he could have said, hey, waves, wind, settle down a little bit. We're trying to have a praise service here. Just said, cool, chill it, chill just a second. Come on, guys, let's sing about it <laughs> or something. I don't know. I mean, it could have turned out a whole lot different, couldn't it? Wow. So David says there, the Lord Almighty, verse 7, the Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress, the one that delivered the children of Israel, brought them out of Egypt, watched over them. He is our, our fortress. He says, then he says, Selah, think about it again. Come on, and you're going to praise him. Verse 8, come and see the works of the Lord, the desolations he has brought on the earth. He makes wars cease to, to the ends of the earth. He breaks the bow uh, and shatters the spear. He burns the shields with fire. God can do all that. He just, verse 10, be still and know that I am God, is what God says. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. God said, I'll tell you what, I'm going to bring some change about here because I will be exalted in the earth. That's what God the Father says. I'm glad the sun's in our boat. God says, I will be exalted. I'll bring low all the armies in the mountains or whatever it takes, but I will be exalted. I will be exalted. Mm. Man, I, you could hear him saying that when that eclipse came. God's calendar is represented by the moon. You know, everybody else's calendar is represented by the sun. And the moon just goes right in front of the sun and says, let me show you what I can do. God says, you know what? I will be exalted. Try your own way. Try it. But, you know, all I got to do is, in, in Romans he says, and God gave them up to the reprobate mind. And look what happened. All God's got to do is, let me just show you one little thing. Whoa. Oh, you see them waves? Do you see that wind blowing there? Did you see that category one go to a category four? And then the DJ in Florida is saying, well, Texas deserves that because they just voted for Trump. And God said, oh, whoa, wait a minute. Let me just pull. Let's pull. Out. Come on, Irma. Just go right up to that way right there. <laughs> Show that DJ what's up. <laughs> Anybody else want to talk? <laughs> oh, little earthquake right there. It's okay. Right? That's, enough. That's good enough. Check it out. And now, how many of you read about that? That guy was talking about Texas. He wasn't the only one, yeah. Talk about that. What? You know, if, if this thing would have happened any other place, they couldn't handle it. But Texas can handle it. Amen. And God turned it into something good. Amen. Hallelujah. But he says, be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord Almighty, then verse 11 again, the Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Wow. In Matthew chapter 5, verse 45, he says that he sends rains on the just and the unjust or on the righteous and the unrighteous. It's going to happen. And so we know, as we learned, saw last week about storm warnings, we know that storms are going to come. Storms come on everybody. You know, we just got to have our house built on the rock. We just got to make sure Jesus is in our boat because storms are going to happen. And, you know, as we go from storm warnings to into the storm, we see that storms happen because of, uh, could happen because of what I've done. I might experience storms in my life because of, of that they might be self-induced. You know, they might be of, of something that, that I've done. I've caused it, uh, you know, from my own sin and my own mistakes or my poor judgment. I, I knew a guy one time smoked two packs of cigarettes a day for 30 years. 
And that was, that was his choice. And uh, then, then when he gets diagnosed with cancer and he's having some treatment, he says, I don't understand this. He said, I've tried to live a good life. I, love, you know, I, I don't know what God's doing to me. I'm like, God didn't do that. Every time you put that cigarette in your mouth, you did it. God didn't do that to you. You know, why do we do maybe something that's self-induced and then we want to blame God for it? So we've got to be careful. The storms come sometimes because of what we do. And sometimes storms come because of bad choices of somebody else. Let me see if I get this little article here. There we go. January the 17th, 1989, 24-year-old Patrick Purdy walked up to the school he had attended as a child in Stockton, California. 300 children were on the playground as he raised his AK-47 assault rifle to his shoulder and opened fire, spraying 107 bullets at the children during four minutes of terror. When the shooting ended, 30 children were wounded and five were dead. Sometimes the storm comes not because of what I've done, but a bad choice of somebody else. I don't like it. Why does God permit it? You know, God has given to all of us a free will. And he... And when you give anybody a free will, you run the risk. How many parents do you have in here with teenagers that are about to drive or driving? How many that driving? Wow, only one? <laughs> okay. So when you hand those car keys to that teenager that's driving, you're running the risk, Right? You're running the risk that they make good decisions and good choices. And if they make good choices and good decisions and obey, you know, the laws and principles of physics and dynamics of what how that vehicle is supposed to travel, then everything should work out, should work out right, right? How many of you have raised teenagers that you gave the car keys to and they didn't, they had some problems? Okay. Now, the rest of you, look at these hands are raised. <laughs> so... Rather than, oh, but now they have this, uh, you know, the, the Teslas have the auto drive or something like that, right? That's going to be awesome. Yeah, okay, get in the car, program it in. You're going to go to the mall. <laughs> then uh, page me when you're coming out. I'll send the car back around to pick you up. <laughs> you go, it's auto drive. That's going to be great. It's going to be awesome. <laughs> but you, you, we don't have auto drive. The kids are like, well, what fun is that? <laughs> you know? And, uh, but with that free will and those free choices, sometimes things go wrong. But God would rather run the risk or take the risk of things going wrong than make us robots. I mean, what good is that? You know, I love you, God. I love you, God. I love you, God. You think that's really going to bring him? I mean, he's like, oh, look how sincere they are. Really? I mean, we have to have a free will and a free choice. That way, when we come to God and when we do choose him rather than this, he says, yes, that's what I'm talking about right there. That's it. But he has to run a risk. And sometimes when, when you run a risk, sometimes things go wrong. And, uh, but when things go wrong, God is there. He's in our boat. He's our ever-present help in our time of need. And he's there to bring comfort and strength like nothing else can bring comfort or strength. He will walk us through the problem, the, the situation, the difficulty. He'll be right there with us. You know, 
as we're looking into the storm, as we go into the storm, sometimes it's self-choices, sometimes it's somebody else's choices, and sometimes it's just because we live in a sin-corrupted world, and when Adam sinned, things changed, and and the Bible talks about all creation is groaning and crying out, and you know, this old earth experiences some problems, some things, and um, so, you know, listen, you know, we live on the Gulf Coast, okay? So hurricanes come into the Gulf Coast. We live in a world, and things happen in the world. You live on the Gulf Coast, there's going to be a hurricane every once in a while. And if you live in Houston, on the bayou, which is called the Bayou City, bayous flood every once in a while, right? So, I mean, you're going to run the risk, right? And so... We shouldn't be surprised. I mean, we ought to use wisdom in that. Build it, build it right or whatever. But I mean, just saying that it happens. Sometimes things just happen. Sometimes these storms happen. Sometimes people get sick just because we're living in a world that we weren't designed to live in. These bodies were created to live in the Garden of Eden where everything was perfect. You know, it was great. Not designed to live in this type of world that is, is, is falling apart. I mean, it, it is crying out. It's crying out for God to come and make a newness, a new heaven and a new earth. You know, it's just crying out. I mean, scientists talk about it and blame us, but, I mean, it's just because, well, you can't blame us. I guess because, you know, Adam sinned. He fell, and in that, things changed. This world changed. There would never been rain before until God brought the flood and the firmament that was there that covered it and, you know, provided it. I've heard Dr. Carl Ball uh, talk about that the firmament would have been kind of had a, a pink, a rose color a hue to it that would, it was just beautiful. You ever heard that little saying about looking through rose-colored glasses? Oh, they're just looking through rose color. It kind of makes you happy. You know, makes you just mellow. And that's kind of the way it was. And people were like, hey, man, he's chilling. We're just chilling in the garden. Hey, what's up? But uh, so that was, we were designed to function in a world that was just right. Not out here where things are all messed up. It's amazing that they never had mold or mildew until maybe 17 or, or 20 years ago. Because um, nobody ever talked about it. I never hear anything about it until like in 2000 or something. Mold, re mold remediation. What's mold remediation? Isn't it amazing? <laughs> it's just never had it before, I guess. Grandma didn't talk about it. Grandpa didn't say, well, you know, we had this case of mold remediation. We're living in the log cabin there, and I just, I mean, it was just horrible, really. I mean, <laughs> people didn't know about it, didn't get worried about it, didn't think about it. I'm not saying it's not a big deal. You've got to be careful, especially with this water that was polluted with the sewers and stuff. It's real, it's serious stuff. Don't, you know, don't take it for granted use some wisdom, but I'm just saying things change and things happen because of, we just, this is the world we live in right now. But I want to tell you something, even in that, we can have peace in the storm. And that's the whole key, people, is learn how to have peace in the storm because the storms are going to come. The trials and tribulations are going to come. Things will happen. You just got to make some decisions. And, you know, if you, if you turn on the FEMA, if you go to FEMA or some weather, weather channel or something that talks about weather, they're going to tell you that there are two primary things that you need to do to, to get ready uh, to, you know, to, for the storms that come. The first thing is prepare. How many of you looked at those? Or you, maybe you heard it, the weather channel going on. Prepare. You know, storm preparedness. Get prepared. That's why everybody goes and buys water. 
you know, all the water, you know, and bread. Why is it when we got to go through a storm, we got to go back to like the prison camps? Bread and water, bread and water. <laughs> Bring me a brisket, forget the loaf of bread. <laughs> we're going to have, if we're going to be stuck here, we're going to have some good times, <laughs> you know. Forget water. <laughs> Bring something else. <laughs> but, you know, I mean, anyway, <laughs> prepared. So the first thing is to prepare, and the second thing is to act. Act on your preparedness. Oh, my gosh, I don't know what to do. Well, drink some water. <laughs> That'll help. And eat a piece of bread. <laughs> I know what you could do with that bread. You could stuff it under the doors, Eddie. I bet keep, that might work like sandbags. I don't know. <laughs> Maybe that's what everybody's doing. They're just taking whole loaves of bread, poking holes into the plastic, and just oh, sucking them right there. You can't get no sand, but well, we got some bread we can put there. <laughs> Here, drink some water. <laughs> Getting tired putting all that bread down. But prepare and act. Let me tell you how you need to prepare for the storms of life. Make sure, write this down, make sure that you have Jesus in your boat. He is the living water. He told the woman at the well, you drink from me? Hey, girl, you ain't never going to be thirsty no more. That's the PGT, Paul Golden translation. You ain't never going to be thirsty anymore. And you know what? He's the bread of life. We can feed upon him if we're trusting him. You know, he supplies everything that we need. And people don't see it. They're thinking, I don't know why I'm buying all the bread. I don't know why I'm getting water. I don't know why I'm... And there's something, inborn tendency, I guess, to get water and get bread. But it's really, this the living water, and it's the bread of life that we ought to be getting. Hey, man, well, go into Kroger next time, fill your bag full of, just, you ought to put a little, put your Bible in your, your basket. Just walk through Kroger's. What do you got in there? I got water. I got bread. I got everything I need right here. <laughs> I'm only serious. Prepare. Get Jesus in your boat. Whatever happens, when it happens, he's in the boat. And you know what? You can turn to him and say, man, if the Lord had not been on our side, all this stuff would have swallowed us alive. But it's not going to happen because the Lord Almighty is with us. Hallelujah. I'm getting a new paint job. <laughs> Darn, you're going to get a new house. Craig's going to get a new house. Who else lost stuff? You know, I probably never got rid of those cars that I have, but, you know, that little Honda or Hyundai Sonata had 180,000 miles on it. But it, it drove great. I mean, the air conditioner works. I mean, in Texas, that's like number one. I don't care. No, there was no scratches, no dents, everything. Just, and you got in it, and it started. That's I've seen Mercedes sitting that didn't start. I mean, it started, and I probably never would have got rid of it until something happened, but... Flood it out. Insurance comes out and totals it sitting right there. Okay, change is coming. You're going to have to get a new car. Well, I got to get a new car. Wow. Oh, man, I don't know what I'm going to do. <laughs> People are going to be talking about me. Pastor driving a new car. <laughs> <laughs> Praise God. <laughs> you can have my old one. <laughs> I asked him if I could buy it. He goes, No. I'm like, well, they used to let us buy them back. Remember that in the day? They used to let us buy cars back. I mean, 
I mean, yeah, you just get the water out of there, vacuum it out, you know, and just drive. And then, you know, next summer, you know, you're driving down the road, just sun shining, and the windshield wipers go, what's up with that? Where'd that come from? You know, so, where'd that come from? The radio starts playing. We think it's the Holy Ghost, you know. It's all that corroded wire through there. Now the airbags, they say the airbags, and that's what, why they don't want to do it. Insurance company said that the airbag can go off on you, then they're liable for it. But they wouldn't let me buy it back. So that's okay. But prepare. So get Jesus in your boat. Get your water. Get your living water. Get your bread of life and, and say, you know what? He's in my boat. And then act. Faith without works is dead. Those disciples, boy, they were, yeah, we, we were Jesus. Yeah, we were Jesus. He the man. Look at this. Look what he's doing. Yeah. And they get in the boat. They get in the boat. Water, little water comes in the boat. Oh, my God. Don't you care that we drowned? We're going to drown. There's no hope. Oh, my God. What happened to your faith, man? They had a head knowledge. Had a head faith. Faith ain't faith until it's tested. Don't tell me how much faith you have until you show me how much faith you have. Charlie Bogler was a, had been a missionary to... Charlie, do you remember hearing about Charlie Bogler? He was in Tulsa, Oklahoma. He'd been a missionary to Ghana, Africa. He was a merchant marine back in the day. And... Uh, when we moved to Tulsa, I, you know, I, I heard about Charlie Bogler because he was kind of in the fellowship of, our, of the churches that we were in. And he lived there, and he was building a boat in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Okay, y'all didn't get that. Oklahoma sits like right here. You know, oh, let's see. Let me draw it for you back dyslexic. And Texas sits down here, and here's Gulf water. And way over here is water, and there's water. Oklahoma. Ain't no ocean. I'm not talking about like a fishing boat. I'm talking about a boat, 75 foot long, which is a small boat when you put it in the big water, but it's bigger than this room, building a boat in his backyard, inside a fenced yard. He didn't have a big yard. He had a small yard. So the papers that had, a, they're like, little Noah. <laughs> you know, and they interviewed him and like, what are you doing this for? He said, well, I'm going to get this boat. I'm going to take it down to the Gulf, and he says, I'm going to sail missions. And I says, I'm going to take supplies to South America. Oh, really? Okay, that's good. That's a good thought. How are you going to get it there? God's going to get it there. So I thought, you know what? I need to go see this guy. So I go over, knock on his door. Hey, Brother Charlie. I told him who I am. All right. <laughs> I said, well, come over to help. Can I help? Can I help you today? Well, I don't want you getting in my way. No, I promise. I, don't, I you know, I thought I built how I was raised doing this kind of stuff. So, man, I go out and work with him. He's probably about seventy-five years old at the time. I'm working with him, and he's working around there. I'm, I think I, hmm, I don't know if I want to ask him any questions or not. So we take a little break finally, you know, after about three and a half hours, and and so we're sitting there, and I said, well. So uh, this is cool. I said, so has God told you how to get this thing? Yep, he sure did. I was just asking him the other night. He's going to get it to the port of Catusa. Where's the port of Catusa? Sure enough, there's one there. Somehow or another it goes down and gets in the Mississippi River and goes on down to Florida. And so, and I asked him how he was going to get it out of there. He said, I'll just have some house movers get it out of here. No big deal. And so I said, well, that's great. And uh, I said, well, that takes a lot of faith. Well, he says, you know, here in Tulsa, all these preachers talking about faith. Oral Roberts is there, you know, and uh, Kent Hagen had his ministry there. He's all these preachers talking about faith. He says, I, tell you, I want them to go out here on this boat with me. He says, the first time they're facing a wave about 45 foot tall, he said, then I'll know if they got some faith. 
I'm like, whoa, yeah. Faith, faith without works is dead. Put some work to it. Act upon it. You know, we talk about trusting God. We talk about believing in him. We talk that he's an ever-present help in our time of need. So when it happens, then trust him. And that's why Jesus was upset. Oh, you talk a big talk. You're out here in front of all these people talking a big talk. And now the first time that a little bit of adversity comes, you're out here crying and yelling and screaming that you don't have any hope, and I'm right here in the boat with you? He was upset. The boat? Uh, I don't know. Oh, Char- oh, yeah, I'm sorry. Sandy, remind me, Charlie Bogler's boat was made out of concrete. That was another thing. I was like, I thought the guy might have, you know. Because I was thinking, you know, okay, now say that you're in the storm and something happens and you have a shipwreck. I would a whole lot rather have a hold of a broken piece of wood <laughs> and a broken piece of concrete. You know, <laughs> I did ask him about that. I did ask him, he says, yeah, well, he was talking about when he was in the Merchant Marines and some of those waves and when they come down, crash against stuff and break the boat apart. He said, I want that thing to be strong. It's going to last for Jesus. And I go, okay, that's, that's cool. That's fine with me. Your boat. You know, and you know what, by the way, the rest of the story is he did get that boat down at the Port of Caduceus, down the Mississippi River, and we went through Swanee. It's in Florida on the Swanee River somewhere down through there is where he had a headquarters, and he, was, he hired a captain because he was too old to do it. He hired a boat captain. They'd already run two trips down to South America when we got down there to visit him, and, and that was back in 1985 or something like that. Wow. He put some action to it, some faith. He put some action to his faith. We need to act upon these things, people. It's good to come in and hear about it, but when we walk out there, the people that are going through a storm in their life, Need to see some faith in action. What's it all about? Without warning, a furious storm came up on the lake. You know, things are going to come that challenge even the best of you that have tremendous faith. Because these guys were experienced. And so that the waves swept over in the boat, but Jesus was sleeping. Hmm. And see, they, they interpreted that as you don't even care. You know, when you go through a storm... You know, you might think, well, God, don't you even care that I'm, you know, I'm going through this? And he's like, wait a minute, I'm sleeping. That ain't even worth waking up for. <laughs> that ain't even worth waking up. He's like, what? It didn't work. He said, you know, you have faith. Speak to it. You shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. You shall cast out devils in my name. He says, greater things than these shall you do. He said, you know what? I hadn't had a nap if you look in the Bible. I promise you, nowhere else in the New Testament, nowhere else in the New Testament, you might find where Jesus was up all night praying. You might find he was, you'll never find Jesus sleeping anywhere else in the New Testament except right there. He's like, look, it's my only nap, okay? (laughs) Can't y'all handle this? It's just a little bit of waves and some wind. Come on, man. Can't you handle it? You know, he's given to us these things. So act. He wants us to to, to, uh, trust his word and to act upon his word. He hasn't given us a spirit of fear, but power and love and of a sound mind. Hallelujah. God is our refuge. This is what David said. God is. God is our refuge and strength. What does that mean? It means God is. Whatever refuge, whatever strength you need in your situation, in your storm, a very present help in storm. He's not, it's not uncommon to him. It's not something that he's not familiar with or can't handle. He's an ever-present help. If I go to the hospital, you know, when I went to the hospital to have a hip replacement, I did not want a gynecologist. 
I, I don't know. That's the first thing I could think of. It would just be completely different than what I needed. <laughs> right? It's like, what? No, I can't put my legs up there. <laughs> I need a hip replacement. Are you serious? <laughs> I'm sorry. It must be the mold or something. I mean, I want an ever-present help. I want somebody knows. I want a specialist here that knows what they're talking about. I want an ever-present help in my time of need. I want God. God's on my side. If it had not been for the Lord that was on my side, all these things would have swallowed me alive. They would have overwhelmed me. But I want to tell you something. We can walk on water if we need to walk on water. Hallelujah. We walk through the water. It can come. I can be washed, but I can't be drowned. Amen? You know, he's on our side. Well, i got to bring this down. Because I know the mind can only conceive what the end can endure. So They didn't teach me that in seminary, I can tell you that. Hattie Webb told me that. She also told me if you don't strike oil in 20 minutes, she's from Oklahoma, you know, they, they drill. If you don't strike oil in 20 minutes, stop boring. So. People, in your midst of your storm, if you're not in a storm now, you will be. And when you are, trust him. Know, you know, know that... Jesus is with you in the storm. Know that he's with you in the storm. You are safe in his presence. Have you prepared? Do you know he's with you? Do you know him as Savior today? That if this were your time to enter into eternity, do you know that you know that you know that you're going to spend eternity with him? Do you know that? Or are there question marks in your mind? Do you know today? for sure, that Jesus Christ died for you, paid the price for your sin, and now, you know, he's made a way for you to spend eternity. Prepare for it. But not only as Savior, but as Deliverer right now. He, he's, he's with you right now through every situation. He's Lord. Do you know him in that capacity? Do you know that he's in your boat, not only for eternity, but for every situation? Trust him. Know him. You know, when you're going through the most extreme, difficult, or challenge that you've ever, and have never seen before. Again, remember these guys were experienced. But when it came up, it frightened them. When you face things that you've never faced before, are you going to run in fear to, the, to him? Or are you going to run in faith and say, I am so glad you're in my boat? And then people say, man, weren't you afraid when that was happening? No, I just trust in Jesus. I mean, he was in my boat. Trust him. So you've got to know that he's with you. Then you've got to trust him. That's the thing. The disciples knew he was with them, right? He's over there, right there. He's sleeping. That's who he is. He don't care. I can hear him snoring. He don't care. They knew him. They knew he was in the boat, but they didn't trust him. So you want to have peace? You want to weather the storm? Know he's with you. Trust him. And then you know what? Draw strength from the resources that he has. That bread of life, that, that living water, just draw strength from his resources. 
the faith that has in God. Have faith in God. He said, you have little faith. Have faith in God. Draw from the resources. Jesus has enough faith that he's sleeping in my boat during this time. Draw faith from him. Hey, and what are some other resources? How about fellowship? How about these people sitting around you? Man, I draw some strength. I'm telling you, I've helped muck out a lot of houses and done some disaster relief and from tornadoes to floods before and from the hurricane and various things like that. And even, you know, I, we did a lot of stuff. But when it's your own house, you're sitting there going, man, where do I start? I'm telling you, you feel like, what's going on? What, what? And people came in and they just started doing stuff. It's like, well, yes, it brings some strength to you. It brings a little hope to you. You can ask Sandy, you know, I mean, I, I trust in the Lord. I knew he was going to see us through, but I started to get a little edgy because I got to overwhelmed by all this stuff, all this stuff everywhere. And you know what? People came and helped get rid of the stuff, you know, because they'll throw away stuff you never throw away. <laughs> I mean, they help you with it. It's okay. Turn loose of the teddy bear. It's okay. It's, it's soaking wet. It's okay. <laughs> Draw strength from God's people. Fellowship with others. Wow. Wow. I can't, you know, I, I've known it, but to experience it. Ecclesiastes 4.10 says, uh, if one falls down, his friend can help him up. But pity the man who falls down and has no friends to help him up. So it's tough. So look around you. God's put people around you. And they're there to strengthen you. So know that he's in your boat. And uh, trust him. And then enjoy the fellowship of the friends that are close to you and have courage. Get some courage from the, the Holy Spirit that with, is within you that will... Um, it makes us, I looked up this word the other day, indomitable. Indomitable. And it means unconquerable. And I said, Lord, that's the kind of spirit I want. Indomitable. Unconquerable. So gain courage and strength. And so when you see people also, God sending people to rally around you, you're like, that's right. You know, devil, you might knock me down. I might be slow to get up, but I want to tell you something. God's, his resources through faith and through strength and through the people that he puts around me, that gives me courage that I can face anything. The day before, I, I had twisted my ankle really bad, and then a few weeks later, I twisted it again, and it hurt really bad. And so going into the storm, my ankle was hurting, and then I twisted it a couple of times. The other day, I twisted it four times. Oh, my gosh. And then last time I was out in the yard trying to pick up something, and I was stepping over into the, to the flower bed, and somehow I guess the flood had sunk the ground down, and it was some weeds through there. Didn't, and I stepped in that, and it just snapped, and I fell flat on my face when I was hurting so bad. And my dog's there licking me, and I think, you Thank the Lord for a dog, but I need somebody. <laughs> and I'm thinking, I need to train this dog to help me get up. And so, I, oh, I hurt so bad. And I was just struggling. I finally got up, and, and I, I was trying to find something to lean against. And, you know, I was thinking that, you know, that's, that's the way it is. And boy, when God sends his people by, they uphold you. They strengthen you. They hold you up. And he gives you, I'm, I'm telling you, I don't, 
I, the Lord helped my ankle. I, I, this morning in the shower, I looked down and said, boy, that looks yucky, all black and blue. But it's not hurting. And I think that I gained courage from that, from just from people being around, knowing that the Lord will supply and strengthen you and encourage you. We had people show up yesterday that helped us out. And, you know, when you go through a difficult time, just trust that people are there. It might not be a storm like this, but it's a storm of your life. It could be some type of, you get a diagnosis that from the doctor. Well, don't isolate yourself. You know, let, let God's people come and comfort you and strengthen you. And they might not have all the words to say, but you know what? Sometimes it's not what you say. And you might not go to somebody. You might think, well, I don't know what to say. I couldn't go help them out. You know what? Yes, you can. It's not about what you say. It's about being there and being a support to someone in their, in their storm, in their challenge, in their trial. So be available, people. And let me just tell you this. When all the news media turns to all these other storms, there's still people that got a lot of problems here. So let me just tell you something. Christians, when people go through storms of life, don't be so easy just to jump out of their boat and jump on the next little wave that's going through here, whatever. Those people still need help. People lose a loved one, and maybe we're right there for that first week. But you know what? They're going to have some challenges six months from now. So let's let God produce that ever-present help in us and make us like him. Can we do that? Can we pray together this morning? Anybody get anything out of this? If you say gynecologist, I'm uh, really. <laughs> I've never used that term in preaching. I know I never have. <laughs> Father, thank you that you are always aware of our challenges and the opposition that comes against us. You sent your son to die for us and to pay the price that we might be restored to fellowship with you. And you give them to us promises that can support us and sustain us in the most difficult times. So Lord, right now, I just pray for each person that's here today that you would help us to be sensitive to the needs around us, help us to be sensitive to you and what you're wanting to do in us. Lord, thank you that storms can help develop compassion in us. We have compassion for others that are going through challenges. It helps us develop deeper relationships. It helps us develop inner strength. It helps us to grow spiritually. These are some things that, that I've noticed in my life just from this storm. But Father, from all types of storms in our life, they'll come. It can work for good. It can develop something in us. If we allow it to control our thoughts and our goals, our time, it'll just pull us down. But if we allow it to be tools to strengthen us and develop us into the people that you desire us to be, Father, we come out of this thing winners. With our heads bowed this morning, our eyes closed, let me ask you this question. Are you prepared for the storms of life? Do you know that you know that Jesus is in your boat. Have you received him? If you have, just raise your hand and say, Pastor, I know I'm not, I know Jesus is in my boat. I know I've received him. He's my Lord. He's my Savior. I believe he's the Son of God. He died, paid the price for me. I'm going to live forever with him. Amen. Amen. You can put your hands down. Nobody looking around now, just between you and the Lord. If you couldn't raise your hand then, if you're not sure, 
If you're not sure that you've ever received Jesus personally, why don't you just do it right now? You don't, I'm not going to ask you to come forward or do anything. Right where you are, if you just invite him in, knowing that he, you believe that he is Lord. Believe in your heart that God's raised him from the dead. He's alive today. And that you confess with your mouth that he is Lord of your life. If you've never done that, why don't you just raise your hand right where you are. So you say, Pastor, I couldn't raise my hand a while ago, but I want to know that Jesus is with me. I want that assurance. I want that assurance in my life. Anybody here? You're not assured. Maybe you feel like you're away from God and that be and to be honest, you you're not much different than the disciples that if catastrophe hit, you might be wondering where's God when I need him. Maybe you don't feel close to him and you want to just tell him today that you want to renew that relationship with him you just want to be have a closer walk with him if that's you just lift your hand to the Lord and say father that's me today I, I commit myself to you afresh and anew I dedicate my life to you and I'm going to trust you I'm going to trust you and not something else amen 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 praise God well let's stand and let's pray together if you'll just join the hands of someone next to you this morning hallelujah Fathers, we join hands together t today. We are reminded that we're not alone. You didn't leave us alone. Lord, we thank you that you didn't leave us alone, that you are with us even now. We know that your word says that you are at the right hand of the Father making intercession for us. You're praying for us. But you sent your spirit, your Holy Spirit, who comforts us and guides us into all truth. And you have produced the family of God. And so today when we stand together and we take the hand of the next person, we thank you that you work through your people. You work through the body of Christ. And so, Father, thank you that we can find strength and help, Father, through your spirit that works in those around us as well as just trusting in you. Now, Father, today as we join together, there are many, many people in Florida, many churches, believers, households, relatives, friends, loved ones that are experiencing turmoil. Father, we know firsthand what it's like. But Father, even them, those that are there are experiencing things that we didn't. So we uphold them before you right now. Father, strengthen and encourage them. Those, Father, that are just going through challenges, Father, help them to just realize and find their strength and trust in you. Let someone come and show you to be strong by just serving those that are around. We pray for your protection and hand over all those that are affected by the storms. Father, and all those, by all the tragedy, the difficulties, and the things that are going around in all parts of the world, Father, that we would just ask that you would cause the body of Christ to rise up and be strong. And, Father, we trust that you would do things that, that normally could not be done. We thank you today that we are in you, and thank you that you are in us. And so we give you praise today in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. Hug somebody's neck today and let them know. That